there. I'll make these announcements. Uh, Dakota and Stanley's got a baby shower coming up. July the 30th after the service. I guess that's next Sunday. And it's a boy, so don't forget that. And then uh, Bible schools, August 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. Commencement service on the Sunday to follow. Trey and Monica's got a baby shower on the 6th. After the morning service, August 14th, 15th. Uh, got the choir workshop with Brother Jeremy. August 19th, prayer workshop with Bree Simpson. All right. We got a family weekend coming up and all kinds of other stuff. All right, we need <laughs> air conditioner. You wrote that in big letters, air conditioner. All right, there's no air conditioner in the fellowship hall. We ain't got that fixed yet. We're fixing to. We're on a list to get some mini splits through French, or, yeah, through French Broad, but that takes some time. So for Bible school, if two or three of you have wind, some window units that we could borrow for Bible school, just to put them windows up there just so we can get some cold air in, uh, in the fellowship hall. If you see Susan, let her know that you can bring one. You probably got, some of you probably got some laying around. And uh, that would be a blessing. We could pipe a little cold air in there for Bible school for them to eat their snacks and whatnot. And uh, so there you go. Okay. Told Terminex. Terminex or Jason One? It's good. You got it. It's over. They're dead. Very good. All right. We got uh, picnic and fishing at Kevin and Vicky's Pond on August the 26th, and with a family or generational service August the 27th. Bryce has got a household shower on the 27th. It'll all be on the on the, that up there. So speak, spend a little time watching that before the service, and then you'll know you'll know what's going on. Well, I'm glad to be saved. I'm glad to be a part of a church that's doing something, even if the list is two pages long. I still I'm glad that we're doing something. Thank God for it. I'd much rather be like that, wouldn't you? As to be a part of a church that's doing nothing. All the way over in verse 60 of John 6 tonight. Verse 60 of John 6. The Bible says there, many therefore of his disciples, when they'd heard this. Now, the this that they're talking about is verses 53 through 58 dealing with the Lord telling them about his crucifixion, the fact they were going to have to eat his body and drink his blood. When they'd heard that, here's what they said. Verse number 16, many therefore his disciples when they heard this said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that the disciples murmured, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? I'd like to preach on that because uh, we live in a time where everything offends everybody. You know, somehow we've lost the ability to respectfully disagree with one another. I, posted, I hadn't posted anything forever on Facebook. I'm kind of over Facebook. 
You know, that whole ordeal with uh, FedEx made me take my Facebook armor off and hang it on the wall. I said, I'm done, no more Facebook wars. But yesterday afternoon, I thought, well, so I put on there, our generation has lost the ability, the ability to respectfully disagree. And you know what? A lot of people, re- a lot of people unrespectively disagreed with that statement. <laughs> Go figure. So take it down. Doth this offend you? What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who it was that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Look what Peter said. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom will we go? Thou hast words of eternal life. We believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you'd help us tonight to share your word. Lord, I don't know why you've led us to this portion of Scripture, this message, but Lord, you know. And uh, so I just pray that you'd help us to be faithful in dealing with it. Do that now as only you can, and we'll thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We here in John 6 are just on the other side of the feeding of the 5,000. Likely, really likely, the feeding of the 5,000 was likely more like 20,000 because uh, they only numbered the men. They didn't number the women and the children. Likely it was the feeding, more more likely of 20,000. Then they traveled to the other side of the sea, and the Lord gives his discourse on the bread of life. Now I want us to look this evening and consider these verses, and I'm just going to preach down through here, and uh, I've got no idea why God has directed us to this portion Uh, but there's a reason for it, and so I'll just come down through here and deal with this just a little bit. Uh, We see the popularity of the Lord. Uh, The word many there that said many followed him, it comes from a Greek word that means from a large company. Now, I want you to think, after the Lord's miracle there and feeding the 5,000, if there were 20,000 people there, if if he just gained half of them, If only half of those people followed him, then we're talking about a crowd of around 10,000 people. That's a large crowd. Can I say this? At different times during the Lord's ministry, he experienced wild popularity. Uh, There was times that the crowd surged to thousands of people that were following him. But now I'll also say this. They didn't follow him long. It wasn't long he cut the crowd back down. So here, 
And there's a, a, a huge swing in popularity that crowds are following. But their, their motives for following him are wrong. They have no interest in making Jesus king of their hearts. They want him to set up a kingdom. They're interested in the miracles that he has uh, performed. They're caught up in the emotionalism of what has just happened. And they're following him for those reasons. They're not following him as Savior. They're following him because what he does is interesting. They're more interested in the miracles than they are the message. You know, we live in that time right now. There's a lot of people that say they're a Christian, but they're blown about with every wind of doctrine. They'll go anywhere and do anything. And what they're really interested in is the hype. They're interested in the emotionalism. And that's the reason Greg Locke and his bunch of deliverance ministry, they they have church in a tent. Can you imagine having church in a tent right now? And it 110 degrees, but they'll have 1,500 people gyrating in the aisles as he walks down through there and cast out demons and folks will give hundreds of thousands of dollars to that uh, hireling. And uh, if, you hadn't, if you hadn't noticed, I don't care much for him. <laughs> maybe I could be a, little, maybe be a little more plain about how I feel about Greg Locke and D.R. Harrison, but not, I don't believe either one of them's of God. And uh, they're in this deliverance ministry business where they're casting demons. It's a, it's a hocus pocus, stir them up kind of thing. But it's got a lot of emotionalism to it. So when people go, it's kind of like, you know, they put on a good show. And so they're more interested in the show than they are in the Word of God. You listen to their preaching, it's always shallow. It's always, it, it doesn't contain a lot of doctrines of the Word of God. So in order to keep people stirred up, what do they do? They tape a bat, to a baseball bat, and beat a Barbie house with it. And that's literally what he did in his service. And so that's, that's how, but that's the kind of thing that the flocks of people are interested in in our day. Or it's the black lights with the, uh, you know, the gyrating music. It makes you feel like you went down to a club. Instead of went to church, their motives are wrong. They're interested in the excitement. And boy, serving God for real is exciting. And he is powerful. And occasionally, you know, we feel the Holy Spirit blow through here and do miraculous things too. But there's times just like Brother Eddie was preaching at camp. There's winter times in the church where things are still and seed is sowed and doctrine is preached. And I say amen for every last bit of it. The problem they had, we'll see in a minute, was with the Word. They didn't like the Word. Their motives were wrong. Let me say this about them. Their souls were lost. These people wouldn't say. Now, I'm going to make a statement right here, and don't fall out with me. Because it's a mouthful. But not everybody that follows Jesus is saved. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you agreed with it. I was afraid you'd disagree. Not everybody follows Jesus is saved. Now, what do you mean by that, preacher? I'm talking about people who call themselves Christians. I'm talking about people that that identify with the Christian religion. See what I'm saying? And I listen to a lot of different podcasts because I'm a nerd. And uh, sometimes you'll listen to one of these podcast guys and they'll say something along the lines of, well, I identify as a Christian, but whatever your faith tradition is, hogwash on that. 
There's only one way to heaven. Amen. And it's through and by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're not going to get to heaven in any any other way. But there's a lot of people that say they're Christians. There's a lot of people that say they're preachers. They ain't never been saved by the grace of God. This bunch, my goodness, that can stand with this crowd of sodomites and claim to be a preacher. They ain't saved. That bunch ain't, not only are they not a preacher, you mark it down, they ain't even saved. They ain't even saved. Uh, they just, they fought, their souls are lost. Not everyone that says they're a Christian is actually born again. There's a lot of people go to church. I'm convinced the longer I preach and pastor, the more I'm convinced there's a lot of people go to church ain't never been born again. They like the feeling of it. They like the, the community of it, the camaraderie of it. But in the end, they've never actually been washed in the blood. And they watch other Christians and see how they act and the things they say. And down deep inside, they think, that must be put on because really I don't feel like that. But that's just put on. I, what I've got is just as good as what they've got. But it's not put on and what you've got is not just as good as what they've got because you ain't got nothing. You ain't got nothing. Their souls were lost. Their faithfulness was to the work, not to the man. What do you mean, preacher? All they cared about was the crowd. You know, a lot of people, they look at a church like ours, and they'll say, well, that's just a little old work. That can't, that's not as big as what some of these things are happening out there with thousands of people. But you can't always judge, and I, I know I've preached this to death, but you can't judge the success of something God's doing by how many people. Because if you did that, then right here what you'd have to say is somehow Jesus messed up. Somehow Jesus failed in his leadership because he went from 10,000 to 12. That's backing up, ain't it? That's backing up. Boy, that, that would unnerve a lot of deacon boards. They'd be like, whoa, wait a minute now, Jesus. Let's talk here. What's this going to do to the offering? That would unnerve a lot of denominations. They'd be like, whoa, wait a minute. Something's wrong with that church down there. Went from 10,000 to 12. What, what is wrong? I mean, boom, like that. They're gone. They've left. I'm going to tell you the sad facts is that there's a lot of men that I've been friends with over the years some of them that have stood in this pulpit and preached, and they've went a different direction. It's sad. They've went away from the fundamentals. Of, and I know fundamentals is a bad word in our day, but I thank God I'm a fundamentalist. This is the only discipline in the world that fundamentalist is a bad word. I was thinking about something. Let's say I said, I, when it comes to basketball, I'm a fundamentalist. I believe in dribbling. I believe in practicing the jump shot. I believe in practicing the bounce pass for the assist. I'm a fundamentalist. I believe in the fundamentals of basketball. Well, everybody would be like, yeah, boy, that's right. Got to have the fundamentals. Got to have the fundamentals. You know, you learned that in blue chips. Got to have the fundamentals. Fundamentals, fundamentals. Hoosiers, fundamentals, fundamentals. Right? We could say when it comes to football, I believe in the fundamentals. I believe in running the ball. I believe in having a, a strong defense. I believe in the fundamentals of football. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, fundamentals, fundamentals. 
But then you go and say, I believe in the fundamentals of the Christian faith. Everybody's like, eh. Well, you're one of them fundamentalists. You believe in the virgin birth. Here's the, here's the fundamentals of faith. Virgin birth. Salva- salvation by grace through faith. The infallibility of the word of God. The eternal security of the believer. Those are the fundamentals. That's what makes us say fundamentalist. That's the fundamentals of the faith. But I'm telling you, in this day, people are more interested in anything but the fundamentals. So there was, number one, the popularity of the Lord. Number two, there's the parting of the disciples. Now notice the Bible said, verse number 66, it said that they went back. You see that word? From that time, many of his disciples went back. Now that phrase is key because the fact that they went back, Brother Jason, meant they had something to go back to. Now here in just a minute, Peter's going to say, where would we go? We got nowhere else to go. But this crowd, they had, a, they had left an open line to go back. They had something to go back to. You see, they really hadn't committed. They were trying it out. They are seeing what they thought about it. They were investigating. But they left a way to go back. But you know what they did? They had a problem with the Scriptures. Verse number 16, they said, This is many therefore his disciples, when they'd heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Now, their problem wasn't hearing it, their problem was believing it. They'd heard it, but they said, That's more than I I can believe. The problem was with the scriptures. I'll tell you, you know, this year's camp meeting helped me. Brother Eddie Davis always helps me. I I love to hear him. And when he was preaching on that rain in the Word of God, and that Word of God just falling down, falling down, falling down, boy, that helped me. I mean, that really helped me. I had thinking about over the years all the preaching of the gospel that I've done, just raining it down, raining it. Sometimes it feels like you're spinning your wheels. Sometimes you feel like you're not doing any good. But boy, as a reminder to me, just keep raining it down and raining it down and raining it down because this book is ultimately the divider. It's the divider. So you either are with it or you're not. But you know what? You ain't got no church without that book. But you've got to have a rule. You've got to have a rule. You know, what's wrong with our current society is they want to do away with all rules. So there's no, there's no measuring stick. That way man can become his own God and make up his own rules. The problem with that is what will man say is okay next, right? I preached on that on the radio this morning. What are they going to say next is okay? They've already changed away from pedophile. They now call it minor attracted person what are we going to do when they say that's okay uh, what's next see there's no room so that's the reason at the house of God we've got to have thus saith the word of God and it's a dangerous thing when ministries are built on men's opinion 
on personalities, on ideas. Better build it right here. Let's say for a minute that Neil went to inspect a, a job and it was the liberal woke construction outfit. And so they had told everybody, just bring whatever tape measure you want. If it starts at 10 inches, if it starts, you know, and there's a foot missing off of it, two feet missing off of it, no problem. That's your truth. And everybody was building, was building this house, three or four carpenters, and they were all measuring with their own tape measure that was, you know, some of them wasn't even in, you know, numbers. Some of it was in letters, because that's their truth. You know, they go over the saw and they say, cut me a board that's C long. What's C? Don't worry about it. That's my truth. Okay. And then he just cuts it, you know, 14 and a half inches. Another guy comes over and he says, uh, make mine a peanut butter and jelly. And I say, he said, what, what is that? Don't worry about that. That's my truth. Just make mine a peanut butter and jelly long. Bring what kind of building he'd have built. I guess is he'd probably fail it. it got no, but you see, everybody's carrying around Stanley tape measure that at least in theory is the same. Because that's the rule. Well, that's the way it is the house of God. The rule is not what I think. It's not what you think. The rule is what the, thus saith the word. What does the scripture say? That's the rule. And that is, that's the dividing line. That's what people have a problem with. They love the Jesus that works the miracles. But they hate the Jesus that tells them to live holy. They had a problem with scriptures. They had a problem with self. Their problem was they couldn't believe it. That's, that was their own problem. Now, when God says something, it's up to me to believe it. If I don't believe it, that ain't nobody's problem but mine. I'm just preaching. If I can't believe it, then that's nobody. That's my, they had a problem. And ultimately, they had a problem with the Savior, right? These folks had it in their mind what Jesus should do, and he wasn't doing it. And so it made them mad. And they thought, I'll quit. Lord, I really want to get to preach this right here, and I'm going to be done. We get to Pearson question, verse number 67. Verse number 67, the Lord looks at them disciples and says, Will ye also go away? You know what? It's real easy for us to look at everybody else and say, oh, look at Greg Locke and that crowd. Look at this, look at that. Let me ask you something. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You'll stay with it? The Lord looked at them 12 disciples. One of them's the devil. And he said, will ye also go? The answer was yes. One of them was going away. What are you going to do? I think if time lasts, 
being a Christian is going to get less and less popular. What are you going to do? There's going to be times if you come to church for any length of time that somebody's going to hurt your feelings. What are you going to do? There's going to be times that I'm going to preach things. It's going to rub you the wrong way. What are you going to do? That bunch done left. That's done gone. There wasn't nothing to be done about that. So Jesus looks at them 12 that had been following him. He said, will you also go away? Will you also go away? You know, I'm convinced that in this day what we need is some people to make up their mind to stay with it. I texted Jimbo last night and I told him, I said, you know, I said, I appreciate you always staying the same and staying with it. And I said, uh, my circle of no matter what friends is pretty small. But I'm glad you're in it. That's truth. You know, the fact is, so many people are falling to the wayside. Men that I never thought would. Men that are forsaken doctrines and fundamentals of the faith. And I'm like, oh, I thought they'd always stay. Because I just, I just feel like they feel like, that they feel like I do about it. Then I find, boy, you talk, it's discouraging, Brother Jason. But then when I get to belly aching about them, the Lord looks back at me and he says, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> That's the thing about the Lord, he always puts the ball back in your court. He says, will you also go away? Let me ask you a question. What are you going to do? I'm talking about when the chips get down. I'm talking about when times get tough. I'm talking about when your feelings are hurt. I'm talking about when you're not thinking rash. What are you going to do? It's easy and everything's going good to say, I'm going to stay with it no matter what. But when everything's bad, then what? What are you going to do then? Good preaching right there. What are you going to do then? Well, you, make, you, better, you better make some decisions in, in the daylight that you ain't going to doubt in the dark. Now, you better make some decisions ahead of time that you won't question down the road. Let's stand our feet. Father, I don't know why I just preached that, but I did. Lord, I, I pray that you touch hearts across the congregation tonight. Do work. Bless us and help us only you can. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Might be to somebody here tonight and say, Preacher, I want to come tell the Lord I'm going to stick with it. I'm going with him. No matter what, ups, downs, good, bad, in, out. I want to just be true and stay with him. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? That's what the Lord asked them disciples. What will you do? Will ye also go away? My mind.